So the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So you should never miss an opportunity to come to the house of the Lord and fellowship with other brethren. Because this is the place where we get equipped. This is the place where we, got tra we get trained. Amen. And welcome to all of you. I see Atlantis is also around. Amen. Amen. And then uh, mainly Kales River, but I see some few faces from Milnerton around, but that's fine. So it seems like if you will miss your service, you can attend the other one's service, since we have two services. Amen. So we are continuing with what we started at the beginning of this month. Lord, teach us to be fishers of men. Amen. Lord, teach us to be fishers of men. So this is about, like I said to you, the business of the Lord is the business of souls. Amen. In other words, if we say there is a business that the Lord is involved in, it is about souls. So the profit in the kingdom is about souls. Amen. And I believe that you've probably realized even during this time of the coronavirus pandemic, how life can be meaningless. Amen. And how life can also be very short. And I think it also gave us time to reflect so that we can see whether our focus is still in the right place. Because sometimes we are very busy. Just busy and busy and busy. But our focus is in the wrong place. And when the master comes back, you find that you are not ready. So I believe that all of you who are here, you are excited to be in the house of the Lord. Can we go together to the book of Daniel chapter 12, let's start there. Daniel 12 verse 3. We, I, just, I just want to remind you that souls, about souls, this is an eternal investment. You know usually many things that you do here on the earth, you can, like I said, some of us have got good houses. But when you leave, you, when you depart, you will leave them. Some of you and some of us, we've got good cars. But when you leave and when you depart, you will leave them. So what is that one investment that you can make which will follow you in the life to come? That souls. Amen? Because then you will receive your crown. So it's like you did not just work here and work here and got busy here and not invest for the life to come. Daniel 12.3 NIV says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. So you can see that in the life to come, those that have led many to righteousness will shine in the kingdom of their father. In other words, the Lord will be saying, well done, you good and faithful servant. So therefore, we have to take stock. Each one of us, as you are alive now, you need to ask yourself, am I busy with my father's kingdom or am I busy with my own agendas? Amen. Because if we are busy with our own agendas, then the Lord would not be able to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. And like I've indicated to you, also if you've seen how things are in the world now, people are, don't know what to do with this pandemic and all that, it just shows that life can be meaningless and life can be short. But then you need to say, let me do all I can for the kingdom when I'm still here. And like I've said to some of you, some of us are not planning to quit soon. I'm not quitting now. 
coronavirus or no coronavirus, I'm not quitting. I still have a work to do. But at least I'm remaining for a purpose. So you need to ask yourself, why am I continuing to live? Is there a purpose in the kingdom that I need to fulfill? Let's go together to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21 in the Passion Translation. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. So it's again warning us that actually the things of the earth are temporary. We need them, but they are temporary. And it says material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you, value, what you value as your treasure. So he says, invest in the kingdom. Invest in heaven. Amen. So I would say whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your money, invest in the kingdom. So that then you know you are not just investing on the earth in this temporary world but we are investing in the kingdom. That's why even the issue of souls is very, very key. Whether you are reaching out to others or you are supporting missions where many people have to be won back into the kingdom. Even your own time of prayer, praying, investing into the kingdom, praying for souls. Amen. Let's go together to the book of John chapter 14 because he says, the scripture that we read now, he says your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So obviously, if you love something, your heart will always think about that, isn't it? I think I can appeal to those of you who, when you were young, just before you got married, after you found the one that you said is the one for my life, have you noticed how you always think about that person? Your heart is always there, isn't it? Sometimes we could see that you are not concentrating because your heart is somewhere else. Amen. So it should be like that with the kingdom. We need to see that our hearts are consumed by the kingdom. Look at this. John 14. I'll do verse 12, verse 21, and verse 23 in the Passion. Jesus says, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do even greater miracles than this, because I go to be with my father. You see, that's the first part. So he says, people who believe in him, the Lord, will do the works that he did, even greater works. You remember we, when we started this subject of Lord teach us to pray, teach us to be fishers of men, we showed you how in the book of Acts chapter 1, it says, I want to tell you of the things that Jesus began to do. So Jesus began to do some works here on the earth, but we are continuing with that work of the master. So when we continue with the work, then we need to do the works that he did. Then the Lord should empower us to even perform the miracles that he performed. He says, even greater works than this, because I go to my father. So when you go, you go knowing that you are empowered by God. You go knowing that it is God who is at work in you. We do not use our own strength to win souls. You remember the other time I shared with you that when you go out there, depend on the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit will guide you even when to talk to somebody. Okay? And the Holy Spirit will give you words that you need to minister to somebody. And I said to you, don't try to convince people. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. So when you go out there and you are ministering to win souls, don't try and convince people. Don't be like a person selling a policy. Okay? And sometimes you don't tell them all the, all the fine, fine print because you want to catch this one. Don't do that. Okay? Allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who convicts the people. Amen? So the Holy Spirit himself will convict his people because Jesus says it is his kingdom and he said that the harvest is plentiful. Talk to the owner of the harvest. We are not owners of the harvest. It is the Lord's harvest. So he's interested in making sure that he goes with us and accompanies his miracles. Now, verse 21. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me, I told you about the passion that some of you once had, isn't it? He says, whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father. And I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. You see what Jesus wants to do? He says, as you passionately love me, me and the Father will passionately love you, but we also want to manifest in your body, in you, within you. So the way how I see the Lord manifest himself in my life, one, it starts like, you remember the scripture that says, how um, the, the spirit in you will be like a well, springing up to everlasting life. So the work of the Holy Spirit in me, it means I have the nature of God in me. Okay? Jesus says we'll come and manifest ourselves in you. We will dwell in you, me and the Father. So when he is in me, before I even think of ministering to others, I start with that Holy Spirit within. I even start taking advantage of the fact that the life of Jesus is manifested in my body. It means if there's sickness in my body, and the life of Jesus is also manifested in my body, sickness has got to go. If there is cancer cells in my body and the life of Jesus is manifested in my body, cancer cells has got to go. If there are disease germs in my body and the life of Jesus is manifested in my body, disease germs have got to die. Do you think, do you think there was a time when Jesus would have flu? Or cancer? Huh? So, the same life that was in Jesus, can be in you. Here he says, those who truly love me are those who obey my command. Whoever loves me passionately will be passionately loved by my father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. He will manifest what? His life. You just told me in his life he would not be suffering those sicknesses. So obviously, if his life has got to be manifested in me, when sickness or anything that wants to attack my body, I've got to stand my ground and I say, thank you, Father. This is one of my concessions, by the way, that I do to keep on enjoying divine health. I say, Father, I thank you that the life of Jesus is manifested in my body. Amen. And when the life of Jesus is manifested in my body, it is flowing through my body. And whatever is of the enemy has got to be destroyed, has got to surrender. Amen. 
So make sure that the life of Jesus starts by, manif by manifesting in you and benefiting you before you can even go out and reach out to others. Have a testimony. You remember the other time when we talked about the Samaritan woman? We said, I said to you, when you go out there and minister to people, sometimes you may not know a lot of scriptures, especially if you are still young in the Lord, but you've got a testimony. You know what God has done for you. So nobody can steal your testimony from you. They can argue with you, and they can tell you all their knowledge of scriptures. They can tell you all their theology or anything that they believe in, their science and everything. But you can say, you talk like this guy. You remember the guy in John 9, the blind man, the man who was born blind. He said, whether, you see, it was the religious people of the day. They were arguing with him. The man who healed you is a sinner. He said, whether this guy is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, <laughs> what did he know? I was blind, but now I see that you can't take it away from me. Amen. So in other words, he used this testimony to diffuse their argument. Because if he had gotten into the other arguments, then they could have easily outsmarted him because of their knowledge of the, 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 the law. But he says, one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's what the Samaritan woman did. She said, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You see how she ministered. So I said to some of you, even just inviting somebody to church. Okay? Sometimes some people see you smiling all the time and they see you are such a jolly good person. And they ask you, why are you such a jolly good person? And you say, it's because of the Lord in me. You're talking about your testimony. Amen. So he says, I will passionately love you in return and I will manifest myself within you. Then, verse 23, Jesus replied, Loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Did you see that? Do I have some believers here who are born again? Amen. Can we say the Lord Jesus dwells in me? The Father God and the Lord Jesus dwells in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I've got the Spirit of God in me. He says, me and the Father will come and dwell in you. Okay? So as the Father and Jesus dwells in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, that life also flows, overflows. You remember the scripture I told you in John which says it will be in you a well. Later it says, and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living waters. So when it is a well, it is confined to a particular place and it's for personal use. But when it overflows, it can go to many places and start touching lives everywhere. That's why what has happened in your life, don't leave it just for yourself. Go out there and let the river flow through you. Brighten the corner where you are. Amen. You remember? Brighten the corner where you are. The corner where you are. Amen. So it means there are some corners that you are in which I won't be in. So that's your corner. Brighten it. Amen. 
So it means each one of us has got a role to play in winning the kingdom, in the winning souls into the kingdom. Now, when you love God, you've got to love his work. Isn't it? When you love God, you've got to love his people. When you love God, you've got to love his flock. Look at this. Jesus once challenged Peter in the book of John, chapter 21. Verse 14 to 17, we are going to do it in NLT. John 21, 14 to 17. Look at how Jesus challenges Peter about his love for him. Okay? Because all of us, we, we easily say, I love God, isn't it? I love God. I love God. Now, look at this. When Jesus was challenging Peter, and then he tells him, the test of your love will be seen by how much caring you are about my flock. Amen? You can tell me with your mouth that you love me. But if you really love me, I've got to see it. Amen? John 21, 14 to 17, it says, this was the third time I'm doing it in the NLT. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Did you hear the question? I mean, Jesus was with, with Peter all the time. It says here it was the time when Jesus had now risen from the dead. You mean all the days when Jesus was living with Peter on the earth, he didn't know that Peter loves him? Because now, why is he asking this question? He is saying, we want to, you to locate where your love is. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we want to know, where is your treasure? So he says, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Amen. Amen. You say you love me, then feed my lambs. Amen. That's why some of us, we love God so much that I've got to invest time also to make sure that the lamb of God will be fed. Yeah. It's not that, you see the things that when we come and minister to you guys here, we're not using experience. We seek the face of God. We want to hear from God. And we want God to tell us what we need to tell you. Amen. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. We don't think of church on Sunday. Okay. All throughout the time, we've got to be thinking and praying about that. And sometimes even asking God how the format of the service should be like. He says, if you love me, feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? <laughs> Did you hear that? Jesus asked him the first time, Peter said, I love you. He said, then, if you love me, feed my lambs. He repeats the same question again. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. So Peter was actually saying, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know the hearts of people. Okay? Then take care of my sheep. Did you see that? If you say you love me, then take care of my sheep. 
Okay. Let me ask you this one. The one of taking care of the sheep. Did you know that the responsibility of taking care of the sheep, it's not just the shepherd's responsibility. It's not that just the pastor's responsibility. You are your brother's keeper. If you love him, take care of his sheep. Okay? Some of the people, we won't know some of the sheep that are limping, maybe. And you know that this sheep is limping. This sheep, it's almost discouraged that it doesn't want to go to the house of the Lord anymore. It's backsliding. But you are next to those sheep, isn't it? If you love him, he says, take care of my sheep. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Take care of his sheep. Amen. Don't destroy the sheep of the Lord. You know that some of the people actually in church, they get discouraged by people in church. You find there are groups gossiping. This one's group, that one's group, that one's group. Now you are destroying the work of the Lord. And yet you say you love the Lord. He says, if you love me, take care of my sheep. You remember there's a scripture where Jesus says, if any of you could make any of these little ones to be offended and backslide, better would it have been for a millstone to be hanged around your neck and you are thrown into the deep, into where it is deep. Do you remember that scripture? Because Jesus was actually saying, I'm so much concerned about my sheep. I don't want anybody to mislead my sheep. I don't want anybody to discourage my sheep. That's why the Bible even talks about in Hebrews, we, we, we read the last time, it says, strengthen the feeble knees. So sometimes you find some among us, maybe indeed they are limping. Okay? Strengthen them. Don't finish them. Okay? There is this thing that I heard uh, one preacher said, Jimmy Swaggart said one statement which I like. Okay, I quote people's names if it's good things. Okay. If it's not good things, I'll keep you in a riddle. <laughs> okay, so the, the statement that he said was, the only army in the world that he knows of, which if one of its soldiers is wounded, it finishes them, is the Christians. He says, that's the only army. If, you know, in many armies, if one of the soldiers is wounded, the rest of the soldiers would even risk their lives to save that life. Isn't it? But now, in the body of Christ, more often than not, when one is wounded, you go and finish them. Isn't it? It's like you were, you were waiting. You see, he keeps on doing this thing. Hey, he will, he will fall. He will fall. The day he falls, he will never talk these things again. So which kingdom are you working for? I thought you were in my team. I thought you are my comrade in, in, in Christ. Okay? So it means if any of the people of the Lord are wounded or they are down, strengthen them. Strengthen the feeble knees. Be your brother's keeper. Then you are showing that you love the Lord. Isn't it? Then look at this again, <laughs> verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Sure. How are you going to feel? He's keeping on asking you the same question. I'm not sure if he was changing the tones. Because when it's written here, you can't see if the tone has changed. But it sounds like it's the same question. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. 
He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Amen. So, the question for us is, do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Take care of his lambs. Do you love Jesus? Take care of his sheep. Do you love Jesus? Feed his sheep. Amen. Invest in the kingdom. Keep on spreading the good news. Because when this good news is spread, it's got to be spread before the Lord comes back. Nobody must have an excuse to say they did not hear the word. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, amplified. And it's Matthew 24, 14, amplified. And this good news of the kingdom or the gospel will be preached throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations and then will come the end. So the end is coming. The end is near. Okay? So let's not live as if life ends here. Okay? The Lord is coming back. But he says, the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world. Now, if it's throughout the world, then the, 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 the gospel in the Cape should be preached by who? By you. Mr. Noriki. So it means in Atlantis it should be preached by you. Yeah. It's got to be like that. If we are saying, wherever I am, I brighten the corner where I am. And he says the good news of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the world. So it means you can reach the places where I can't reach. Okay? Some of you, you are in institutions of higher learning. Some of you work in hospitals. Some of you work in schools. Some of you work in mines or whatever, whatever place that you work in. That's your world. May the kingdom be spread even through there by you. He says then the end will come. So God uses us to spread this gospel. How many of you know that God cannot on his own preach the gospel? <clears throat> Imagine you, you go somewhere and they say, God is holding a crusade. And let's go, let's go to that place. We will find God holding a crusade. No, God holds a crusade when I hold a crusade. Amen. God preaches the gospel when I preach the gospel. Because he's dwelling in me. Amen. So go together with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Then you will see what I'm telling you about. 2 Corinthians 2. 14 to 17. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17. We'll do it in the NIV. You will see what I'm telling you about. That God uses us to spread his word. He, can, he cannot spread it on his own. Okay? People fear spirits, isn't it? Yeah, they would say it's a ghost. Or I saw, uh, you know, the curtains, I, I could see something moving, but I couldn't see a person, and this and this was moving. Obviously, there are spirits here. But if they see you with a body, then they are fine. Even if it's God working through you, they can accept you better. Isn't it? Now, listen to this. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17 NIV. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captive in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So God uses who? God uses who? Okay, so anyone, all of us, we can say me. God uses who? Me. 
Amen. And us as a whole. But specifically me. Can we say us as a whole? But specifically me. Amen. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Amen. Each one of you, you've got a role to play. So it says God uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. And I said to you, you don't have to be knowing a lot of scriptures. You just need to know what God has done for you. And sometimes you just have to live right. Okay? Peter, in the book of Peter, it talks about some of you ladies who have unbelieving husbands. It says sometimes you won't even need to preach to them. Just your conduct will win them. When they can see this godly conduct of the inner being, and then they have to see that this, there's something in you that I don't have. And then you minister to them. But sometimes you would find you want your husband to be saved, but your husband cannot see Christ in you. The husband cannot distinguish between you and him. Okay? The husband sees you or your wife, if, it's, if you are in church as a husband and the wife is not in church with you. So the question is, is your light shining? Are you ministering through your life? Okay? Sometimes we've got to minister through our lives. Before you even speak, let them look at your conduct and be convicted. Okay? So he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Verse 15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one who are, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Did you see that? I didn't write that one. It says, on the contrary, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. You know that there are many people who are using the word of God for gain. Eh? The last two weeks, I was sharing with you that scripture where Jesus says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then he says, freely you have received, freely give. So obviously, then I said to you, if somebody charges you for praying for, for you, if somebody charges you for ministering healing to you, then they must only charge you if it's not from the Lord. Because if it's God who has given it to them, they must give it freely. Okay? That's why here now he says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So make sure that even when you go to minister, may your life be a life of integrity. Let people not doubt, don't, don't, don't muddy the waters of the, the gospel because of your conduct. And then you say, you speak like Pharisees. Don't, don't, don't mind about what I do. Just listen to the message. Okay? So your life must confirm the message. Amen. So he says, 
We are those who are sent from God. Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 6 in the NLT. Colossians 1 6 in the NLT. You will see that this gospel of the kingdom, it started in us, changing us, but we need it to spread also all over the world. What God has done for you, he also wants to do for others. Amen? Amen. So go and spread the message. Some of you now, when you move from here, when they ask you, how was church today? Then ask them, how much time do you have? Amen. Because then they are just touching on those testimonies. That, that good word, that should be spreading out of you now. Because you have received, and now you can usher and distribute that word to others also. And you can say, my cup runneth over. Amen. And you can tell them about the goodness of God. Because some of you, when you are asked, how was the church? Ah, church is boring, man. Church is boring. It's nice. Every time, you see, we just, the preacher just comes. And sometimes we even predict some of the verses he will say. You know, the, the, it's, it's the word, the word, the word. You know, this is, then you realize you're wasting your time by coming to church. Isn't it? Yeah, because if it's boring, rather go to what will entertain you. Isn't it? So, but I know that those of you who are here are not bored. Those of you who are here are excited. You want to spread this gospel. Amen. Colossians 1.6, NLT. This same good news came to you, that came to you, is going out all over the world. So we received the good news, but this same good news is also going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by doing what? By doing what? Changing lives. So the proof of the gospel is changing of lives. It says this good news, the gospel, it's going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. So when you come into contact with the gospel, if you were down, down, down and depressed and thinking of committing suicide, when the gospel comes, you need to see the reason to live. You need to be able to say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Now I know that I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. That's my only hope. The thing that makes life worth a living is because he lives. Amen. And he holds my future. You are the pillar that rules my life. Amen. Yeah, you can do it a bit. The pastor just doesn't want to sing. It's, it's, it's good in sharing scriptures. In that one, you can help the pastor. We are a body. Mm -hmm. 
the pillars that I love. You are the pillars that my love. Jesus, you are the pillars that Amen. I can't be defeated with that soul. Because if Jesus is the pillar that holds my life, my life is not about to crumble. Amen. My life cannot crumble when it's you are the pillar. When is the Lord that's holding my life? Amen. Amen. I'm not depending on my own strength. Come what may, the devil can throw whatever he has in his ammunition. But Jesus is the pillar that holds my life. Amen. So he says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing life. Just as it changed your lives. From the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This gospel keeps on changing lives. It has changed my life. And I'm a witness. I'm a witness about what the gospel does. It changes lives. It doesn't matter what kind of a sinner you've been. You might have been a murderer like Paul who was, with, who was helping the people that were killing Christians, but when you come into contact with the gospel, your life will never be the same. Amen. It says this, this gospel is going out everywhere, changing lives. Changing lives. So there's nobody who's so much of a sinner that the gospel cannot change their lives. And the good thing is that when the Lord changes my lives, he also changed my situations. Amen. He's interested in my whole being. He doesn't say, now that you are saved, you can suffer anything on earth, all the things, and things will just be falling apart. He remains the pillar that holds my life. Amen. Amen. Let's go together to the book of Luke chapter 4. Now you just see that this good news. You see, that's why we said, even when you go to people to share with them, share with them the good news. Don't condemn people. You won't win people by telling them how bad they are. Telling them, you are such a drunkard. This alcohol of yours will kill you. You can't win them that way. Okay? They will tell you, <laughs> when you say this alcohol of yours will kill you, they will quote you somebody who is 80 years now who's been drinking since he was 30. And then your argument is blown out of the water. So don't try that one. Share with them the good news. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them about how Jesus loves them. Tell them about there is a purpose for their existence here on the earth. There is a greater purpose that needs to be fulfilled. Amen. Now listen to this. Luke 4, 18 and 19. NLT. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I like this one because I also when I pray, I pray this one. Because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. That's good news. When you are 
a captive and you are told you will be released. Is that not good news? That's good news. When you are, then it says, that the blind will see. When you are blind and now you are told you will see, is that not good news? That's good news. That the oppressed will be set free. When you are oppressed and we say you will be set free, is that not good news? That's good news. And then he says, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. When people are talking about how terrible things are, when they are testifying about the work that the devil is doing in the lives of so many, testify about the goodness of the Lord. Testify that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. Amen. I think some of you have noticed, even this year with the coronavirus pandemic and with a lot of things not going well, but I keep on looking at the things that are going well. Amen. Amen. Because in every situation, you can get something that's going well. Amen. And as for me, the Lord has already said, all things work together for good. For me who love him and who are called according to his knowledge and purpose and of grace. Amen. I'm called according to his purpose. So things have got to work out for me. Amen. Even what the enemy intended to destroy me with, it will be used for my promotion. Amen? Amen. Yes. And sometimes the enemy has got to fall into his own trap. You remember the story of Haman and Mordecai? Don't, don't take chances with people of God because the traps that you set up, <laughs> you will, they will end up being the very same trap that you fall into. Okay? So that's why if you've got people that are coming against you in the natural, don't spend a lot of your time saying, ah, people hate me, you know, even at my work and this and this, and things I will never succeed because they so and so. If they are the hammers in your life, let your God deliver you. Amen. Amen. Because you are a Mordecai. Amen. You remember the story? When Haman wanted to kill the Jews, and he actually later decided to kill Mordecai because Mordecai is not bowing to me. Mordecai doesn't respect me. And then he prepared the gallows for the execution of Mordecai. Go ahead and read your book, the book of Esther. Okay? So, and then things turned around that the very same gallows that were supposed to be used for Mordecai, who was killed in, in, that gallows, in those gallows? Haman himself. So don't worry. When people plan things against you, when they want to plot things to destroy your life, may your God defend you. May your God fight for you. But he can only fight for you when you say, no weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. Any tongue that raised up against me in judgment will be condemned. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. They are righteousnesses of me. That's Isaiah 54, 17. Okay? You know why I'm giving you scriptures? Because that's the good news. And that's what will set you free. Not the gossips. Not even stories on newspapers. Those ones won't set you. You can, if you've got too much time, then you can also read those stories. But if you, when you don't have time, at least stick to the basics. Study the gospel. Study the word. Because that will save your life. Okay? Prioritize what matters most. Amen. But if you've got extra time, then you can do the other thing. What doesn't make sense is you don't have time to study the word, but you've got time for all these other things that won't even save your life. 
How many of you know that the enemy is not even afraid of soapies? You know, some of you can't miss your favorite soapy. But you can miss church. You can miss your time of devotion with the Lord. You can see that is the enemy trying to make you not prioritize what counts most. Do you know that there are even people who are not coming to church now because there's corona? But you know they are going to work and to the malls and everywhere. So it's as if corona is just only in church. Then you can see it is the strategies of the devil. Because he knows when you go to all those other places, you are not a threat to him. But if you come and get equipped, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now he doesn't want you to be free. Because listen to this. Matthew 9. 35 to 38 NIV. We've got to start winding down. Jesus went through all the towns. Matthew 9, 35 to 38 NIV. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. You see, this thing of the good news doesn't stop. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So I like this, my kingdom, where we don't only preach the good news, but we also get people healed. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So this is the reality that we live in. People out there are harassed and helpless. The enemy has got so many things that he can harass people with. But you need to be equipped so that he will not play games with you. There was this song, just, just do that one because is there anybody who would permit the devil to play with you? Yeah, but the only way to say no, you need to know your, the scriptures. You can't say no with a, with a soapy quotation. And you can't say no with a newspaper quotation either. It doesn't work. You can only say no when you say it is written. So just do it a bit. I think the new generation doesn't know it well, but just do, do, do one, one step. You need to say, we won't, we won't allow the devil to play with us. I want that part. Because we can't just... Yeah, certain amazing ball. Amen. So it says, don't al- who can allow the devil to play with him and making him a ball? Huh? Kicking you around. And says, Mina So in other words, you say, not with me. If the devil wants to try it, try next door, not here. Amen. And if next door is also another Christian who knows the Lord, next door again. Amen. Because the Bible says the devil is roaming around like a lion, seeking him whom he may devour. Resist him steadfastly. So let him keep on being hungry. But some of you 
you feed him every day. You are easy targets for him because you are not equipped. You are not trained. So here it says, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You see? So it means the Lord wants us to be his mouthpiece. To speak to people on the earth. For them to come to the kingdom. What God has done for us when he changed our lives is got to be spread all over and others also get benefit of that. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we're beginning our descent now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. New King James Version. Okay, so you can buckle up. We are beginning our descent. We'll be landing soon. We should land. Cabin crew, we should be landing in the next 10 minutes. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, New King James Version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are not a renovation. Okay? You can renovate something. <laughs> it's not new. But when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Actually, some Bible scholar says that word new creation, there it's a new species of being. Amen. A species that did not exist before. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. So, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God used Christ to talk to the world and reconcile us to him. But now that ministry has been given to us to also talk to the world and reconcile the world to God. You get that? Yes. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So in other words, we represent Christ. Wherever we go, we speak on behalf of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So when you go out there, you are not representing your own agenda. You're speaking for your kingdom. Okay? Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So in other words, whoever I was, Jesus changed me. He took my sinful nature, he nailed it on the cross. He took my sicknesses, he nailed that on the cross. So that I can have eternal life in me. So that the life of Jesus can be manifested in my body. So that I can walk in divine health. Because of that great exchange. And I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So... Second Timothy, you will now see that all of us, we should really maximize the time that we are here on the earth so that when your time to depart comes, you can be able to say, I've finished my course. Okay? The preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Because in the grave where you are going, 
there is no work. Okay? You can't reserve your strength to serve God for the grave. In the grave, there is no more work. Do what you can now. Okay? Be a blessing to so many people now. Be a blessing in the kingdom of God now. Invest in the kingdom of God now. So that when the time for you to depart comes, you can speak like this. 2 Timothy 4, 5 to 8. New King James Version. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You see what he's saying? You are saying to Timothy here, fulfill your ministry. So I'm asking each of you, are you fulfilling your ministry? Are you fulfilling your mandate? Huh? Are you doing what God has planned for you when you came here on earth? There's something specifically that you need to do. Are you fulfilling that? Because now, Jesus, now Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So he says, it's time for me to depart. I fought a good fight. I like that. So I also want to depart like Paul. I don't want to be hijacked into heaven. I don't want to be forced to go. And I didn't even tell you guys I've finished. Because you know there's still many things we need to do, isn't it? So I ain't going now. The devil must know that. I've got work to do. Okay? So I want to fulfill the task at hand. Then when I've fulfilled it, then I can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. You need to finish your race. Ask your neighbor, are you running your race? Make sure you finish the race. Amen. You know there are some, if you want to lose, especially in sprint, like 100 meters, run checking others. So when you run your race, make sure you focus on a goal. Okay? That's why when they say, on your marks, get set. And usually the sprinters, you find that they want to go even before the, 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 the whistle goes. Okay? Because they really are looking forward to that. Okay? So he says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. You see this? What we are doing here, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is a crown waiting for you. Dr. Makado, you are involved in this, uh, sometimes the running and athletics and all that. You guys get medals when you finish. So the Lord also, in his race, there are medals. And that medal is a crown. A crown of righteousness. Amen. He says, there is therefore, finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to also to all those who have loved his appearing. That includes me. I'm looking forward to that time of receiving the crown when my master says, well done, you good and faithful servant. And he taps me on the back. Amen. I'm looking forward to that time. And you can look forward to that time also. Because the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. Let us land with Revelations 20, 22, 20. Revelations 22, 20. I'm saying the Lord is coming back. 
the Lord is coming back. Revelations 22, 20, New King James Version. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. What is the Lord saying? I am coming quickly. And what do we say? Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Okay? So listen to this. So the one who testifies of these things is the Lord himself. He's saying, Surely I am coming quickly. And what do we say? Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It means I'm ready. It means I am ready. So if you are here, and you know you are not ready, you can't say, even so come Lord Jesus. But coming he is. Amen? So, if you know you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, so that when the Lord comes back, you will spend eternity with him. So that you will know that you have passed from death to life. So that you will know that your sins are forgiven and God has reconciled you to himself. That you are a child of God. After church, I'll be in the office there. You can come and see me and I'll pray with you. And help you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Otherwise, for the rest of you, anything that you want to tell God about what we're sharing today, I want all of us to stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard. I believe there are many places where the Holy Spirit has been admonishing you admonishing you, encouraging you, and some way even rebuking you. It's because God loves you. 